This is Restart Hope with Pastor Joel Sicker on FM 94.1 The Voice. Number six. It says, okay, so circumcised on the eighth day, the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, Hebrews of Hebrews, as to the law of Pharisee, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church. All right, paying attention. As to zeal, a persecutor of the church. Why would someone want to boast about, man, you know how many Christians I killed? <laughs> That's not something for you to boast, Paul. Come on, you're writing the Bible now. Okay, let's put that for some other time. Okay, not now, not in the Bible, Paul. Okay, sometimes your zeal, your zeal, can become a hindrance to your spiritual transformation. For him, he says, it was his hatred of heathens. His hatred of heathens. How many times we feel like, that's, that's number six, by the way, hatred of heathens, as to zeal or persecute of the church. How many times you feel like, the more you hate the people who sin, the more you feel like God loves you. Man, I hate those people. God must love me so much, because man, wait till I send those guys. Jesus, you must, man, what would you do without me, right? Friggin' hypocrites like that pastor, this guy. Hey, hey, I find myself on the same boat sometimes, okay? And my criticism is not for, you know, the drug addicts and the homosexuals. My criticism is for the other pastors that are hypocrites, man. Ooh, man, don't get me started on that. Because I'm like, dude, you say one thing, but I see you acting. Oh, man, I want to write you a letter. But no, you know, you talk about wearing a mask and shutting down your church. What the heck are you doing in a coffee shop with 13 people around you? Hypocrite, open your church and preach the gospel. Anyways, hatred of heathens doesn't mean that you're closer to God or more spiritual. Okay, um, over here, Paul is saying, listen, man, if you Judaizers think that you're so zealous to keep the law and to keep good, keep, keep religion pure, listen, I wanted to keep religion so pure that when these Christians showed up on the scene, they were adulterating our Judaism, I went and I killed them. I didn't have a talk with them. I killed them. I murdered them. In fact, in Acts 7, we see that Paul, he's holding the cloaks of those who are stoning Stephen the first martyr of the church, stoning him. And two chapters later, we see that Paul, he's getting letters to go to Damascus to arrest Christians and to bring them in as animals. Let's look at this real quick. Galatians chapter 1 verse 13, it says, For you heard of my former life in Judaism, how I persecuted the church of God violently and tried to destroy it. In Acts chapter 9, please pay attention to Paul is coming to a close to seventh day. Acts chapter 9, Paul, who is Saul now, it says he's still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord. You know what that means? That means that with every breath he's breathing, he's angry, he's violent, he's vicious. All he wants to do is tear down these people who are believing in Jesus. He's like, I'm sick and tired. I've, I've had enough of this. I watched some stone Stephen and I'm going to do more of this. Every single person that calls on Jesus, they are going to be dead. So what does he do in verse 2 in Acts chapter 9? He asks for letters to the synagogues at Damascus so that, he can, he, so that if he found anyone belonging to the way, pause over there, anyone belonging to the way, please pay attention if you've lost, if I've lost your attention, please pay attention now. Anyone belonging to the way. Early believers were called believers of the way because Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, the life. Paul is on his way to Damascus to kill people who worship the way, the truth, the life. And guess what happens? The way, the truth, and the life stops him on his way, knocks him off his ass, donkey, on his way, <laughs> introduces him to the way, the truth, and the life, and not only makes him a disciple of the way, makes him an apostle of the way, so he writes about the way and makes disciples of the way. Isn't it amazing what God can do? No matter what spiritual bar barriers we come through, the way, the truth, and the life will meet you on the way and knock you off your ass. 
It's amazing what God can do. So no matter what spiritual barriers you're wrestling with, man, it's true. My nationality, it's true. My dad, it's true. The church I went to, it's true that I was white. It's true that I am kind of like this. No matter what barriers you go through, no matter what knowledge and wisdom, and, and as I spoke to you about dads, and maybe you're feeling conviction, you're like, crap, if only I could go back and redo the whole thing. No matter what way you're on, the way and the truth and the life will meet you. And he'll make a way when there seems to be no way. Because he works in ways we cannot see. And he will make a way for me and for you. He'll be your guide. He'll hold you closely to his side with love and strength for each new day. God will make a way because he is the way. He is the truth and he is the life. And church, you got to be more excited than this. So, barriers to spiritual transformation. Lastly, I'm going to bring it home. And boy, if I didn't offend you, you are going to be offended now. So, brace yourself. Holy God, you are such a good God. And I pray that we would not let any of these things get in the way of you transforming our life this morning. And Father, even if these things seem so irrelevant to what we're walking through, your Holy Spirit has a way of, of penetrating through our lives and bring sin to the surface. Holy God, I pray that you would do this this morning. You ready for this? All right, let's go. So he says that he was, all of this, right? Circumcised on the eighth day. It says that he was born in Israel from the tribe of Benjamin. He was a pure race, Hebrews of Hebrews. As to zeal, he was a Pharisee, um, you know, and over here, the last one, and he, he was a persecutor of the church, hatred of heathens. And the last thing he says, as to righteousness, under the law, blameless. As to righteousness, under the law, blameless. If I were to put that in one word, it's religion. And he says, in religion, I was A++. In our American churches, on every single pew, under every stained glass window, are people who sit in church, feel like they have it, all figured out because under the do's and don'ts and the checklists they are blameless and going through this point makes my knees want to buckle out of fear for some of us that are very smug that think that we have God figured out I said self-righteousness is this self-righteousness is saying I am so good so I'm going to hold God to my standard it doesn't work that way God holds you to his standard and his standard says all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. You've fallen away from your purpose. And in your own little checklist your grandma might think that you're a saint. Unless you come to Jesus you're still a sinner. Unless you've been covered by his blood you're still living in your unrighteousness. According to those around Paul according to the understanding of the Torah and the oral law he was blameless. Doesn't mean that he was sinless but listen to me, he honored the Sabbath. According to oral traditions, he kept it. He didn't eat food that was unclean. He, he, he divided his laundry between colors and whites. He, you know, <laughs> he did all those things. Okay? He, he didn't work on the Sabbath day. He kept all the feasts and all the rituals and he stayed in tents at the festival of boots and he blew the trumpet when he had to and he memorized Hebrew and he memorized the Torah in Hebrew. He memorized the Pentateuch and he did all those things. He sang all the songs in the synagogue and he did and he tied his, his mint and his cumin and his money and he did all of those things. And under the law, he says, I was blameless. I want you to know the kingdom of God the Bible says, it's not about eating and drinking. 
<laughs> the kingdom of God is not about eating and drinking and you know smoking or not smoking or you know alcoholic or non-alcoholic a drug addict or not drug addict or sleeping around or not sleeping around or pregnant when you're 16 or stayed a virgin till you were married the kingdom of god is not about that the kingdom of god the bible says in the book of romans chapter 14 verse 17 for the kingdom of god is not a matter of eating and drinking but of righteousness and peace and joy in the holy ghost and that only comes not by your good works it only comes through the death and resurrection of jesus christ and nothing else and nothing else and nothing else everything else is religion and god hates it in fact it's so disgusting that god says your good works is your sanitary napkins get it away from me i hate it it stinks i don't want to see it put it in the garbage if you're sitting here and you feel like you're so religious man i feel sorry for you and i want to beg and plead you to not let any of these things become a barrier to your spiritual transformation stop living as a caterpillar with makeup get in that cocoon and surrender let him give you wings to fly into the purpose that he's created you for the worst part the worst part about religion is this man god requires spiritual fruit and satan makes religious nuts of us and satan dances and enjoys while you are a religious nut walking around and actually tearing people away from the grace of god with your legalism and your bull And Satan has a field day in churches as we walk in and out of the sanctuary saying brother God is good when you're standing on your own righteousness and I'm not once leaned on the death and resurrection of Jesus and as you go back home he once again will surround you with education with knowledge with other believers that will boost your ego that will keep you away from leaning on the grace of God look at how Paul closes this But what of a gain the word over there is profit it's it's a business term many of you guys are entrepreneurs you're business people you're very wise with your money you don't want to invest your money into a losing project you wouldn't buy a beat up car thinking that you're going to flip it and sell it it's been sitting in someone's backyard for 18 years and it doesn't have any resale value you would not invest one penny into it you'd walk away from it even if someone gave it to you for free you wouldn't want it and paul is saying that's how i thought of all these things that i thought was once gain born in Israel born as a tr- in the tribe of Benjamin circumcised on the 8th day a pure race learned Hebrew spoke Hebrew memorized the Torah educated Pharisee all loss it was all a loss whatever gain i had i counted as loss for the sake of Christ ancient rituals loss nationality loss generational greatness loss pure race loss education and ordination loss zeal loss religion loss everything was a loss what are your barriers to your spiritual transformation we oftentimes talk about our vices or our familiar sins as a barrier but what about your self righteous pride are you more concerned about your reputation than a real relationship with jesus there are two things of <laughs> you can beat me up in the parking lot if you want to but i would enjoy it actually because god's been beating me up with this are two things I want, I want to tie this into you see we taught our kids about peer pressure we said peer pressure is bad you know bad company will corrupt good morals so find good friends adults i want you to know that we're in in a global pressure of trying to conform to the world what the world says hey 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 you got to dress this way you got to talk this way you got to walk this way there's no promotion for you 
or there's no job for you, or you can't live in the neighborhood that you want to live in, you can't buy the car you want to buy, you got to conform, you got to kiss up a little bit. Are you willing to change the world that you're living in to be the person that God's called you to be, no matter the cost, so that you can be who you are? Because then the people that are around you will leave you, but they never really liked you to begin with because you're fake to begin with. You're a caterpillar with makeup. And when you become a butterfly, the caterpillars will hate you because they're crusty and they're crawling and you're flying and you're colorful. And I want to challenge you, church, today, as you go out in the world, to be the person that God called you to be. Hey, man, look at me. I'm kind of weird. Okay? And I strive to be who God's called me to be. And it's okay if I'm laughed at. It's okay if I'm made fun of. It's okay if people say, man, that guy's kind of crazy. Let's go find a different church. Good for you. God bless you. But the people that, do God, that God does bring, oh my gosh, those people really need to hear the gospel. And God's put me here to speak the gospel to them. And I wonder what God would do to you and what God will do through you. If you would resist the pressure, the global pressure, for you to conform to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Because that's where spiritual transformation happens. When you resist the urge to, to, to hold on to what is a loss and to count them as loss, and to hold on to Christ, who is truly your game. The second thing I want to challenge you with is this. Oh my gosh, this is where it gets hard. Okay? Are we ready? I can already hear my reformed friends you know, kind of nodding their head at this. Are we ready to redefine religion? Are we ready to redefine religion? Let me explain this. Okay? Paul had to redefine religion for him to bring the Gentiles in. It was heresy what he was writing and what he was talking. Because the Judaism was like, what are you talking about? Gentiles are uncircumcised, worshipping God. Oh my gosh, you're mad. Eating pork? <laughs> what is wrong with you? He had to redefine religion so the gospel would go out. Okay, this didn't happen with Paul. The Reformation, that's what happened. They redefined religion. They said, no, stop. Wait, wait a minute. We don't need to have this laity. Everybody needs the word of God. Everybody needs the gospel. And they tore down this hierarchical religion, they tore down the laity and they said, the word of God for everyone. They were like, no, it's too sacred. The farmer shouldn't have it. Yes, the farmer should have it. Yes, the poor, the coal miners need to have it. Take the communion, go out into the coal mines and give them communion. Man, the best revivals was when they rewrote their religion. When they were willing to tear down the boxes of religion and say, God, what do you want us to do now? We want to be the living church. We want to be alive, active, and I want your word to go sharper than any two-edged sword. How do you want us to rewrite what we have confined and concocted as religion and what do you want us to do please listen to this I'm not saying we got to rewrite the gospel no 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 but as generation goes the actions become the gospel that's all the time we have for today but we would like to hear from you our address is PO box 2014 Eagle Idaho 83616 you can also listen to this message and more on the Living Church Boise app Available in your app store. 